Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am thrilled to be over in the United Kingdom today. And when I say I'm there, I'm there virtually. You all know that. I'm sitting here in Santa Barbara. I met someone on on our Facebook group. I hope you're all on that Facebook group. Uh, Siddhi Trevedi, who's the organizer of TEDx Leicester uh, in the UK. Siddhi, welcome to the show. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Mark. I am uh, I'm thrilled to uh, have, a, as always, have an excuse to, if I can't visit uh, London and then go drive north to see you, um, I can have a conversation on the phone. I'm, I'm curious, you, you've been to the TED Summit, and then you went to TED Women in New Orleans. What, what was your first brush with TED, if you will? Well, uh, it all started actually 2015 Yeah. Um, when I was invited by the, de- the then license holder, Alan Hayes, who you must meet sometime. Um, he actually was, uh, and I still like to think is our founder, member, and um, was the oldest TEDx license holder in the world at 80. Oh, my goodness. So he hosted a salon, um, and he asked me to basically help put it together um, just because, he, you know, certain personal things had happened. So I, I began to host it. The theme was a shared life. I was so inspired by the content, um, uh, by the conversations and and really got inspired by Alan Hayes himself. Uh, and then I started to get more involved with him and helped put on uh, his big event, which was in 2016 in October, uh, where I actually curated the whole program, uh, put, built it. And because I'd attended TED Summit, I was able to host an event uh, that actually filled a theatre with over 700 people. Goodness when gracious. actually we were probably planning for four or 500. So, so that's how I got inspired by the whole TED and TEDx now, story did you, and family. Did you have a background in event production or media nope. or anything that – okay, so – you you meet what? Alan and he says, "Oh, you, <laughs> hey, city, you'd be perfect for this." And you're going, "No." <laughs> well, I'm a project manager. And okay. That's all I oh, there you at. go. There I you looked go. at it as this yep. is a great project. Okay. Got a team. I know how to do, you know, tasks, allocate tasks. I'm pretty good at um, 
delegating and I'm pretty good at deciding who's going to be a really good team member. So the only challenge, as we all have, is you're running a project with zero budget. Right, right. (laughs) That's always a a joke. I love uh, bringing new team members on. And the first question is, so how much budget do I have to work with? (laughs) Absolutely. And and you laugh, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, you you laugh. And uh, and, and that's a real challenging discussion to have with people, right? Because you have to rely on their ability to be extremely resourceful in getting their work done. And and I think there's also – I think it's not fair to ask everybody to give things for free and to be able to donate. I think it's maybe a little more of a challenge on your development crew to go and raise the necessary money so you can produce a a good event and not, um, you know, just always have your hand out. Right. You know, it's, it's a challenge. So, so my philosophy is actually, you know what, uh, for the 2016 event, we didn't have a bank account. So what we said is we don't want any money. Don't give us any money. Um, we need this paid for. We need this paid for. We need this paid for. If you could pay for that, that's great. Um, we made introductions with partners. So if you paid for that, you could do this. You know, and we created um, – We almost – it was like a bartering system. So people wanted to get involved. People wanted connections. <laughs> And that's how we managed to really actually, and I would say, fudge our way through the 2016 event. Um, any leftovers, you know, there was there was a few hitches here and there that we had to basically carry the can for, which was minimal cost to us, and we didn't mind paying. Um, but on the whole, you know what? It was a great pat on the back for both of us. Um, and I know that Alan had done a previous event, which had cost him personally quite a lot. Mm. And this time I wasn't going to let him pay a penny. It, it wasn't his, it was not for him to do. So I made sure that I took that burden off him. I'm, it's interesting you say that because I'm, I'm really curious why it is that organizers will actually dip into their own savings account. Uh, to pay for the event. I, the fact that we're not to make any money, I, that's for lots of really good reasons. That's the way we do it. But it doesn't mean you have to pay for the event yourself. So organizers, if you're listening, um, you go back and listen to their several episodes on the show. We talk about sponsoring and, and some, there's some really interesting tricks or strat, net tricks. They're just strategies and tactics you can take to go out and raise money. I remember our th- Second event, uh, we was two weeks before we had our team meeting, just the, the four of us. And, uh, the person who handled all the money, she says, Mark, we're $5,000 short. And it's like, Oh man, you know, I thought we were done. We, and we had added a couple of things and I went back and I was getting ready to call a guy who knew a guy who could get me to a guy, which is how that goes. And there was, I checked my mail first and there was someone, a letter from someone who had just heard there was TEDx in Santa Barbara. Was there any chance at all that they could come on at the last minute as a sponsor? I mean, you can't make that up, right? So you make a call and say, you know, we're, we're $5,000 short. Can you help us out? And they're like, I had to check that afternoon. So, and, and which has turned into a great friendship. 
uh, with Well, them. that's fantastic. So for our first event, uh, we had our food donated and uh, we chose them specifically because they'd agreed to give any surplus to the homeless, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. um, some, that was one of our mandatory requirements. Sure. Unfortunately, our event host didn't like the fact that we'd gone to supplier without actually paying for it. So they turned a little bit on the last minute on the day and literally blocked the food. Oh my gosh. So they charged us without asking us extra and laid on food for the guests, which was of very low quality. But of course, I was too busy and my team were busy doing other things. And they just went off and did that. So all that food was wasted. And that was the incurred cost. But we negotiated down a little bit. But, you know, for me, it's if someone's paid for, you know, if you supplied some goods and you're charging me, I'm not going to not pay you. That's not my philosophy, you know, but I will never go back to you again. So, 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 so they lost my business. Afterwards. You know, that, that kind of day of surprise, um, I'm curious, did you, have you done anything since then? And this, there might be a lesson here for other organizers who not used to dealing with venues and not dealing with writers and contracts and, and all of that. Um, what so, do you do now? So, so as a result, so that was in 2016. Um, we we planned we'd already planned on on the day of our last event we were going to host um a second salon in um in the prison and we'd made a very clear cut decision that that was going to be totally cost neutral um and as a result we went into a direct partnership with the prison which meant they they basically for all the costs. The food was internally catered for, all the signs, all the props, everything. Um, we had our film production team all done for free. Everybody just literally came in and we got everything done. And it, that was literally our most successful event ever. What? what okay, so the two, two questions. One, you just dropped the fact you did it in a prison. That's number one. Uh, number two, <laughs> um, getting them to negotiate all the costs. That was fantastic. But number three, you said it was your most successful event ever. And why is that? So firstly, never say never. It was one of the things that we'd always wanted to do but we actually didn't know how we were going to do it. Right. Um, and the fact that when we started in 2016 with a vision that we wanted to do one. So basically, after I came back from TED Summit in Banff in June, I'd, I'd got even more inspired by doing one in a prison because there were so many workshops we were talking about right. <clears throat> right. the value of it. So yep. I just thought, that's it. Um, the prison in Leicester is actually at that time, 2016 was in the top three of, in the worst overcrowded, the worst, <laughs> the most castigated prison 
in the country. Um, and so we probably thought, oh, this is impossible. We're never going to get in, high security, just too much going on. Sure. I asked, finally got an introduction through lots and lots of um, digging up and finding the right connection. We managed to get um, the name of the head governor. And I thought, why don't I just invite him to our event, our October event, which was in 2016. And he said, oh, you know, it's a really tough. I can't take my time out. I only have have a very busy prison and it's, there's always riots. I'm not sure I can take <laughs> more than an hour. Sorry, sorry, there's a riot I've got to go to. Oh, gosh, it was terrible. It, I, and I'm not even joking. It was um, – so he said he couldn't make it for more than an hour. So I said, oh, okay. I gave him the list of the people in the lineup. Um, and I asked him which hour he wanted to come. And he liked the first session. So he said, I'll come in the morning. So I said, brilliant, come along. The first hour went. And he said, do you mind if I call my staff? Because huh. this is really good. Huh. So he called three of his staff. And then... He said, okay, do you mind if I get three more people? I said, yes, because the auditorium could fit 900. We only had 700 there. I said, sure, bring them. They stayed the full day. They were wowed. They were in awe. They were thinking how they were going to do something like this or how they could do something like this. Then um, what happened was... Even more interesting, um, we had conversations that went on from October to November to December. And then December came, the head governor just said, let's lock down a date and we're just going to make it happen. And I thought, wow, that's great. So we locked down a date, May, and then um, formed a team and he had he had signed a full-time team a full-time team to help put this together with me and my team and literally every single week we're in the prison we're talking strategizing curating putting a team getting the logistics so one thing that you have to also appreciate is his job was tougher than mine. Because? times tough of security. Sure, right. I was, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. so much security um, to make the day seamless because this was going to be the first time ever he was going to have the largest number of outsiders come into his event his prison, to an event. He's hosted few events with a smaller number, but actually there have more inmates than they do outsiders. So this is quite a challenge. Visiting put aside, this is a full day event. Okay. So um, we had a great mix of um, speakers. I had everyone from inmates, ex-offenders, ex-offenders who are employers, 
Um, we had the Minister of Justice. We had the head governor speaking, as well as the prison officer. And on that day, every single person shared the same platform. That was why it was the best ever we've done. For one day, we created magic like we've never created before. There, I, I'm so thrilled to hear this story. There's um, Since the very first TED in a prison, TEDx in a prison, there have been several. There was just one a week or two ago. Uh, I record these shows well in advance of when they're published, but it was uh, uh, done uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska with uh, with Randy Bretz and his crew. And we know Mark and his crew oh, do. absolutely. Yes, right, yes. Do the so Mark Donovan. and I were actually in conversation. We right. couldn't make each other's because we were literally on the same mm. month. Mm. So this so, was a year um, ago, right? A year ago, this May? This was in 2017, yeah, in May. Got it. And Mark Mark had his straight after ours. But his was totally different because his were lifers. So we had sensitivity issues. We couldn't have our inmates actually um, on show. We had to have them masked. What, is the, what does that mean? I mean, literally because, had a mask or? Yeah, yeah. Because um, they're going to be released into our community. Oh, my goodness. And we have to um, maintain the sensitivity of both sides, the victims and the inmates. What was the name of that TEDx? I want to put a link to it. it it's TEDx Leicester, but it's um, it, it's a salon. Yeah. So I've actually sent a link to you. Okay, um, perfect. Thanks. Of one of the videos, which was the most successful spoken word um of the day, and that was by a prison officer. Mm. And in fact, it was so impressive that The Economist actually featured us and wrote about him. I'm uh, I'm, I'm almost uh, to the point where I want to do a show just where I talk to people who've done these in prisons because the it's already difficult enough to do a TEDx. We, we know that, right? It's just for all the reasons we've talked about on the show a million times. But then to add the layer of complexity of uh, security and all that that in, entails, I'm sure we could do a uh, a wonderful show. I want to move on to um, what what is it? You know, of course, you know, doing it in prison is unique. What is it you think is unique about Lester that you really focus on in your in your main event each year? So, if you, from an outsider, Leicester is, well, Leicester was the first ethnic majority city. It has supposedly a really great way of embracing um, the multi-ethnicity. You know, migrants are warmly welcomed, uh, asylum seekers are warmly welcomed. So from the outside, it's brilliant. However, they all live in silos. Mm. So when we hosted our first event, the large event in 2016, what was really apparent and I think what really hit home was the fact that 
for the first time in a long time, we managed to pull together a mix of every ethnic minority um, sector that you could think of from the Syrian, the recently um, migrated Syrians to the asylum seekers from the, you know, Zimbabwean regime to, you know, everyone else that's been part of this whole journey from Iraq, everywhere. And there was a buzz in that that audience. There was an absolute uh, feeling of exhilaration. People were talking, collaborating and making magic. And that was that was really satisfying. It doesn't happen often. We don't quite know why. Well, we do, because people don't know each other and therefore they've just not bothered to get to know each other or they haven't got time. Everything takes time and effort. We're just trying to get through our daily day, daily chores. So we don't, we don't have time to think and reflect. Um, and so these events are really important. So when we did the event in the prison, it wasn't because it was an event in a prison. It was actually to bring the outside world into a world to build collaborative partnerships, to start thinking that these are people who are going to come back into our community, how are we going to make space for them, right? We're supposed to be having a successful and thriving economy, yet if you look outside our streets, we have more homeless people. They don't need to be homeless. Really, they don't. We have enough empty homes. We have enough shelters. We have enough places to take these people and let them stay. Um, and the only way we're going to help each other is if we try and understand why they're homeless. Majority of it is mental health issues. So do Our you? Hospitals are full. So do you then curate the stage to deal with these? social issues and social justice issues and do you tend to to lean heavily towards that for content no i don't what i do is i try and create spaces for people to talk about it mm. so mm. the themes may, so last year of so 2016 our theme was pride of, i mean every journey matters and it covered a broad broad subject area we talked about uh, the asylum seekers. We talked about entrepreneurship. We talked about, um, you know, hope. We talked about um, journeys. But the one in the prison, the theme was pride and prejudice. Again, it's about rehabilitation. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make our community aware that there is no point in having all these successful people if we don't actually breed more entrepreneurship or we don't share our lives in a way that we can actually be more inclusive conversations through conversations we can build partnerships through partnerships we can actually build opportunities i, I love that so i want to get that again through through conversations we build partnerships and through partnerships we build opportunity Did i get that right yeah. Um, tell me about um, 
I, I, I just, this is just a, a, a choice that you made. I went and looked at your videos and instead of having all the videos listed individually, you have them in the one video where they're all tagged one after another. Curious about that choice. I've not seen that before. Just makes sense to watch them one and one after the other, because I think people who come to the event want to, they, they may have missed some of them. They, you know, it's assumed that they don't all stay throughout the whole time. So they can watch the whole thing if they want. Oh, I see. So the reason you did it that way was to simulate what the on-site experience was. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Cause we're not allowed to put our live stream up um, after the fact. Um, so you're, you're still relatively new, but you've, you know, you've, you know, you're a full organizer now, having done several events and done, been to Summit, been to Women. I've got to guess that there's still some some surprises for you. What what continues to surprise you about the TEDx world? I'm continually surprised and humbled by our our TEDx tribe. I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean. <laughs> The whole thing of, you know, this, the one in a, a refugee camp, that's amazing. Mm. Um, I mean, that will be extremely exciting and I would imagine quite moving experience. I've, um, you know, to, to that point, I, I love the conversations we've been able to have on the show where those small little stories of people doing amazing things come out and, and inspire all of us as a result, the, in Yaba where, you know, there are villages where people would never leave the village um, and never would ever leave the village. And they'll take a couple of the speakers after the show and get in a van and, and do a road trip and go take the speakers out to the villages. Just, there's hundreds and I, for the rest of my life, I could do this every day and I would still never capture all the stories. So I, I completely agree with you on that. I'm curious what, notwithstanding the prison, which is, it has its own set of challenges, but what's the, the biggest challenge you think you have in, in sustaining TEDx Lester? I think, you know, sustainability is definitely big, big concern because building a team that's resilient and also um, motivated to do this time on, time off is really challenging, which is why last year we did the prison event and then at the end of the year we did another salon event. Again, it was successful. We did it at the Space Centre and we had support. So that was great. Um, but we took a year out from doing a big event. So I think the sustainability has got to have the mix of one big event followed by some salons and then another big event followed by salons. So you're not burning out the team. The salon events are great because you can do smaller events, but like bite size and let the team have a smaller focus, yet you're always there to help. And I think the bigger events just take a lot out of you. That's a full year planning. Yeah, it is. I've got a question. It hit me as you were saying that. 
you said building a resilient team that is motivated. And I'm, I'm real clear, you know, the organizers typically extremely clear on their motivation, but it's, it's a little more difficult as you get down into the, the ranks of the team. And I'm thinking of the, the core team specifically. And tell me what you think of this idea. So I was talking with Ajit, who does TEDx Wilmington in uh, Delaware. What he does is he will underwrite the costs, not 100%, but underwrite a lot of the fees. If one of the core team wants to attend something like Summit or Women or a main TED event, so that they will get the the sense, the feeling, the sensibility, the just the excitement of going to a main TED. I loved that. I got to meet a few of his his tribe uh, there in TED Fest in Brooklyn. I'm curious if that might be a strategy for you as we look a year out to the summit that's going to happen in Edinburgh in 2019. If maybe you, you pick a few of your key people and, and bring them with you. Absolutely. So what we um, what I've done in the past is I took one of my team members to TEDx Tum. Oh, I had her on the show. Yeah, Dora. Dora. So that was good. Um, and then um, I offer out whenever a TEDx organizer has a an event, I always offer it out to the team first. Um, so that's that. I think take, uh, I offered to go, I offered to send somebody to Greece, but it was, um, it's not so easy and motivational to everyone to leave their little comfort zone either. Mm. But I think it's definitely something that, uh, to explore first locally and then outside. It's definitely on the cards. It's definitely on the cards. How many TEDx's are within driving distance of TEDx Lester? So we had Brum, TEDx Brum, but that's just folded. Um, London, which is uh, an hour and 10 minutes train journey. Um, we had Leamington Spa, so I sent a member of the team there. That's another an hour and a half. Um, and does it have the effect that I'm suggesting that they they come yes. back and they're they're really excited yeah. and pumped? Yeah, because what it does is it it um, allows them to meet other TEDx organizers, and it's it it's more it's more of the building of the community, and I think that's that's what keeps us as organizers together. Yep. That's and a, I think that's what keeps the team together. It's a so big part of the, the show TED, as well, right? Yeah. So the, the, the TED experience is actually made even better when there's more TEDx organizers. And that's that's my feeling even when I came back from TED Women in um, New Orleans. It was great, but I missed my TEDx tribe. <laughs> I really missed. There right. was only two or three or maybe a handful that actually I I spent time with. And I thought, oh, because we were so spoiled at TED Summit in Banff. Well, you're exactly right. You know, there were 400 of us, over 400 of us in in Banff. And uh, 
that is, you know, it's interesting. It's the difference between going to Vancouver and going to Fest. Um, cause I've been, you know, doing Big Ted for so many years and now a hundred percent going to Fest, uh, because you're right. You're, you're with your tribe, uh, the whole time, which I love. You know, I, I didn't ask you, uh, the superpower question because it became very clear right when we first started talking as a project manager that you have a superpower in organizing, but I want to give you a chance to weigh in on, you know, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, partnering, what would, what would your other superpowers be? It has to be, I can't do this without collaboration Mm. and partnering Mm. because I don't think, I think that's why we do this because we, we have to partner, we have to collaborate. Yeah. You, um, that, that's my, uh, my standard, routine i do a lot of lunches and a lot of coffees with partners and it's it's just having that kind of conversation i'm sure all the organizers are quite quite good at that should do a show oh, Mark, just on i have that. to also just say one thing yes one of the best parts so i've just come back from guatemala and guess what hmm. guess who i had lunch with i had right. i had lunch with pablo from TEDx Guatemala. Oh, fantastic. Just randomly, not met him, posted on Facebook, but I'm in Guatemala, and there we were having lunch in the city. That's the wonderful part of there being over, you know, almost 4,000 now TEDx events. Absolutely. Wherever you travel, you can find an organizer, and you, what's, what I love about it is you instantly have 50 things in common with this person, right? So I was with, I was with, uh, one of my business associates and colleagues, and he just said, "Have you known each other?" And I said, "Nope, but we're family." Yeah, and yeah, we just feel yeah, like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And and it was easy. And when we left, it was sad. Yeah, I I totally, I I totally get that. And it's funny. I I when I was at Fest, I felt like I'm at a summer camp, you know, with my best friends. Absolutely. And I, and I can't wait you know, another 18 months, uh, to go see them. What, what, you know, to try to create that feeling. I think I get that going to workshops. I love that. I love going to regional workshops. I love going to, uh, other TEDx events. I love inviting, um, anybody who's listening to the show, uh, September 8th, 2017. If you're anywhere near Santa Barbara, give me a shout. You know how to get a hold of me on the show. Love to have you as my guest. I, l- I like to invite organizers to our dress rehearsal uh, so they can see behind the scenes of, you know, how we do We all do it differently, right? Um, and so, in fact, this year I had the organizing crew for a local youth event uh, at a, a local high school. And I said, I want you all, I want the six of you to come and sit through the rehearsal. And I want you to sit up in the booth and I want you to be backstage and I want you to be in front and I want you to listen to the coaches. And it was a spectacular um, part of their education to get to do that. What? Wow. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it was, it was, uh, I, I'm, I was their mentor. Um, so I thought, what, a, what a great way rather than telling them what they need to do, just show them them here, we're doing it. This is, you know, and it was, it was great. I have to tell you city that, uh, we walked out onto the stage 
And I had them all step into the red circle and look out into the audience because we're in this beautiful theater downtown. And they'd never been on a stage, most of them. Yeah. And I was like, there's a, there's a moment to remember, right? Uh, as a, as a 16 year old, that's going to stick with them. What, what advice would you have for organizers who, you know, let's not say first timers or the, the veterans, but someone who's in that, you know, three to four year range of, of like how you get through it or however you want to take that, but a piece of advice for them. Sure, if it's advice, it's just something that I have a feeling I'm learning constantly um, from from the TEDx tribe. Um, and what I've learned, one most important thing that I've learned is don't stop trying. If you don't know how, find someone who knows how. Don't be afraid of asking, because this is all about. This is all going to happen if you work together. Someone's going to help you get to where you want to. Try and do something that's going to push yourself a little bit harder. You might think it's hard, but actually ask enough people, they'll make it easy for you. Isn't that the truth? I, I love that. I love the don't stop trying. That's such a TED thing. It, it, now, are you doing an event this year or is this your gap year, taking a year off? So we have, we've had a very long gap year and, um, the team's getting itchy. So, <laughs> so we feel like we've, we've had too long a gap year and that's really good because I've had people saying, can we do it now? Can we do it now? So I said, fine. Okay. So if we do, we'll do something in November or December. What are you looking uh, forward to? Do you know what? <sighs> this has been a hard year for my city. We've been um, named in the bottom three of the country for low wages, living standards, and aspirations. So I feel I need to put something together to inspire them uh, and maybe create a vision for the future. I love that. That, you know, it's... What's interesting, and I get this from other organizers, is a deep tie back to the community. And and because our events are so timely, you can really tap into that thing that, that the questions your community may not know to ask. But as a Tedster, you, you kind of tend to ask those questions and possibly you can you can bring that, bring those questions. That's going to be really interesting. So tell me what you, I heard, a, I thought I heard a theme in there. You may not have officially done it, but was it something oh. about the future? Oh, well, I wanted to be called 2020 vision. It's a play on words. 2020 is cricket and also means the road clear ahead. So, or 2020 is soon, but that's not futuristic enough. <laughs> so. I love that. My, my, one of my favorite parts is, uh, uh, I'm not in charge of coming up with the themes cause I'm terrible at it, but my, my wife, Kimberly, uh, who's also our coach, uh, will come up with the theme. But then my job is to figure out a way to graphically represent that theme. And, uh, so that's always the fun part because the themes have to be abstract. I mean, by, by Absolutely. design, right. 
So how do you take something that doesn't have an obvious uh, iconic representation? And that's, the, I, I love that this year I pulled together um, uh, three people, the, our set designer, our animator, and the person who does all of our, all of our signage and printing and all of that and said, this will be the first year we've all worked together to collaboratively come up with, usually it's one person comes up with it and then we all iterate on it. And uh, I'm really happy with how that's working out. So I'll be curious uh, to see what 2020 vision looks like. Uh, again, another I know pun. it may change, but that's what it is at the moment. Um, at the moment, it's going to be something like a, a clear, maybe a very clear crystal with a, with a great big eyeball inside it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> something quite abstract. I'm I sure. love that. I love, I'm it's not so an much artist. Fun. Yeah, I'm not the artist. I just come up with this is what I feel we need to do. But. It's a it's a great opportunity. We had a um, we had a job fair for volunteers, and we invited. Um, I don't know. We had a lot of people show up who, and we then had the, each of the team members present what they did on their team. And if one of those things sounded interesting, you could go talk to that team member and join. And we had this lovely young uh, woman, a student uh, in marketing out at the university, said, "I, you know, I like to design things. Could I be helpful?" And we we had a full crew already. And I said, "Yeah, come on. Well, let's see what you can do." And she was one of those um, a sleeper hit. You know, she just completely blew everybody away with with her work ethic and her her way of interpreting things. And uh, in fact, she's coming your way because we only have her for a few more weeks and she's going to go spend a semester abroad and go to school in London. So we're super happy for her. But now... Oh, great. Hook us up. I, I will. So Ted, TEDx is um, something that works great for her portfolio. And I've heard that from another organizer who... It was actually Ajit who, who said... You know, remember that this thing that you have done is is worthy of being on your portfolio, working with TEDx, and that's a big deal. Tell me, City, if we were to um, get on a red circle, turn it into a red carpet, and fly to any TEDx in the world, where would we be going? Do you know what? After coming back from Latin America, I'd want to go back there. And is there Seriously. a specific one? There's so, I mean, there's so many fantastic ones. There are so ones. many. Uh, I've, I, I, I literally just touched the tip of the iceberg. Mm. I think they're all doing amazing things. Just come back from Guatemala, having met Pablo, seeing what, what is happening in the scene there. It's amazing. Have a look at Guatemala. Look at the spaces they've got available. Obviously, you've got Argentina, Brazil, you know, anywhere, any of those spaces. Before I'd gone to Guatemala, I would have said, hands down, TEDx Sydney. But you know what? My mind slightly changed. Mm -hmm. I, my, I have left my heart there now. <laughs> Latin America? I'm watching you. Yes. I'm, so I'm falling in love with you. You heard it here, folks. Uh so let's let's finish up. Yeah, I I love ending the show with the best hack, and it's as you know you've listened to the show. It's the thing that you do at Lester that uh, doesn't cost any money or costs very little money, 
but it has a material impact on the show. And it's a, a great tip that you could share with uh, the rest of the TEDx tribe. Well, in, in Leicester, it's full of Indians. Indians are great at haggling. Oh. Haggle, haggle, haggle. Haggle, haggle, haggle. I love it. And barter. Give people what they really want. It's not always money. Oh, I like that. It's, it's usually a connection, a lead, an introduction, an open door. I, I love that. So you, you actually, um, it's interesting you say that. They say they don't hire consultants for what they know, but who they know. Absolutely. So, so you're suggesting that the sponsorship is not for what they're going to get, but who they're going to meet. Absolutely. I love it. As a TEDx organizer, we open doors for so many people across the world. We can do that. That's a wonderful way to end the show. Um, Sidi, thank you so much. Um, I, I, wanna, it's been an I want to, I want you to, absolute pleasure. Oh, for me as well. And I'd love you to keep us, keep us in touch with, um, with your events as they go. And, uh, we wish you and your team all the best success. And, and I know, um, there, there's some amazing, stories of renewal and revitalization with the community once you get the community really involved in what you're doing in terms of turning things around. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Port of Spain uh, was a, a kind of amazing one. Guernsey was another amazing. Uh, both of those talks were were very deeply involved with the community elders in terms of, you know, what's the narrative uh, that the TEDx platform can take on uh, as they try to turn things around and get you out of the bottom three. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you Mark, okay. so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.